Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is Keeping It Good, the Good Summer Podcast. You might be able to hear the smile on my face from this conversation. Talking with the first female provost of Trinity College in 430, or, as you will hear, 429 years, was an absolute delight. This conversation covers leadership, it covers who Linda is as a person, it covers positive social transformation, and was just a delight to sit in Dublin's oldest residence, the Provost's House, 1 Grafton Street, and talk about things that matter in the world. Please enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Here we go. Provost Linda Doyle, it is an absolute delight to sit in your house, uh, which as I look around is just gorgeous. It's a Thank you so much for having a good summer with you this afternoon. Uh, it's really good to be here. I'm absolutely delighted. You always put me in a good mood anyway, Jules, so oh, it's great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, tell us. Linda, we can really get into, like you're the first female provost and it's only taken 430 years. 429 uh, actually, to be fair. Okay, <laughs> I, I, okay. I was given given the extra bit. <laughs> I um, I want to know how we, how, we, how we got here. I want to know how you got here. Yeah. So can we start? Tell us your story. Who is Linda Doyle and how did you get to this point? Oh, I, uh, I'm not sure the, the best way to answer that, but maybe just to say, I suppose I've always loved academia. I've always loved teaching and research. Um, and that's the thing that really uh, drove me to wanting to be in academia. Um, and I suppose I, I'm here for a number of different reasons. Um, I'm here because I love it. I'm here because I suppose of hard work. And I'm also here because of a bit of luck along the way. So... Um, I started as your kind of typical academic. I had an opportunity to lead a number of different things uh, over the years that gave me good experience for, um, I think, taking on leadership roles. And then, as you probably know, uh, you have to put your hand up at some stage and run for election. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm here because I had a fantastic team helping me do things along the way yeah. and uh, helping wow. me get elected. And I'm here... Um, for all of those reasons, I suppose. You've already said some things that I, I want to dive into. You, you know, talking about team and how teams get you where you are. You've talked about a bit of luck as well as hard work. Can I take you back mm-hmm. just before all of that? Mm-hmm. You said you always liked academia. Were you one of the kids in school who always had their hands up first? Or what, what, um, you, what, I definitely what, was one of... What was I, Linda like growing up? I was up? definitely a bit nerdy and I definitely loved school. <laughs> And, you know, um, I suppose, like, um, I, I always knew I did want to go to university. I, I would say when I was an undergraduate, I found it very hard. I did, I did electrical engineering and I wouldn't have ever necessarily been the top of my class. Or, I actually absolutely was not the top of my class. I was the middle uh, of the class. And you, you wouldn't have... There wouldn't have been too many women in an electrical engineering course, or, or am I wrong? About you, you're, that? No, you're right in that. We we had a when I did it, uh, I did it originally in UCC, and there was like about fifty five people in the class, and there were eleven women, which was considered a huge number. Mm, yeah. At, at the time, but it's never really changed okay. from that, you okay. know. Down in Cork. Yeah. Down in Cork, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, and when I, actually, funnily enough, when I uh, left college, um, I had kind of wanted to go on and and study further. 
And I kind of thought to myself, oh, uh, you could only do that if you're top of the class. And I went and worked in industry. And the second I started in industry, I knew I was in the wrong place. Oh, I knew wow. that, yeah, I knew that I really, really wanted to come back. How did you know that? It was just, I don't know what it was. It was just a... a you know, I just remember being, I worked in, in Germany in a company called Siemens, you know, um, okay. yeah. telecommunication yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, it was great. There was lots of things to learn. It was in a fantastic place. But I remember thinking, no, I just want to be um, back in academia. And, I, you know, there, when you start a job, I had to stay there for a year because otherwise I'd have owed money before I left. Mm. But yeah. um, so then I it was after that, I came to Trinity. So... Was that was that a gut? You it was just, a gut, complete wow, gut. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think I'm a person who has a gut reaction. I mean, with I electrical engineering, yeah. I didn't know what it was, yeah. and I, I've said, I've told the story a good few times. I went to an open day, and somebody was talking about electrical engineering. I'd never heard of it, and I went, "I like that." So it was this gut feeling as wow. well. Yeah. Wow! I love hearing about people's stories that just have these moments of enlightenment, moments of gut, moment whenever something inside yeah. you bubbles up. Yeah, and, that's exactly and you, what it and was. And you just think, oh, okay. Mm. And and so in some ways, that's what has us sitting here in, in House One, Dublin's oldest residence, as Trinity <laughs> will tell you. I think, the, I think the Lord Mayor kind of fights you for the, yes. the Dublin's <laughs> oldest residence just around the corner. Uh, but that, so if I, if I can keep on that for a second, how, how did you find stepping into a role that was can be quite difficult, can be quite a lot of expectation on it, certainly can be very male-dominated. Yeah. Uh, you know, so whenever you said, you know what, my gut says I want to be somewhere else and that somewhere else mightn't look the most easy place to walk towards. What, what, what did you do? Um, so I, I, I think a different mixture of things, okay? One, there's a couple of things for me that I kind of do. So first of all, um, I'm quite good if something random comes along to grab it by both hands. Mm. And that's what I mean by a bit of kind of luck. Um, so mm-hmm. um, I, I think, and I often say this, I think in life there's more opportunities to lead than people who want to lead in, in some things. So so like I, I luckily had some opportunities earlier on in life where, for example, I was able to lead a large research centre. And I, you know, it's not, I didn't sit down and think I want to lead a large research center, but when the um, opportunity came across, I was able to kind of go, oh, I'll do that. Brilliant. So, so I, I think that's, that's one thing that I think kind of makes you able to walk towards something if you're kind of, uh, if you're daunted by it. The second thing I've always found, and I've mentioned it to you earlier, I think literally you just need one partner in crime, one person on your team uh, to be able to do something. And okay. I've always been a very good uh, team player. So, uh, you know, early on in my career, I I, I worked with people, uh, you know, I worked with various different people who uh, allowed me to join their group. Um, and I found in all the roles I've been in that kind of developing the team around you is, yeah. is a great way of making those roles possible. So in most roles, including now, I mean, a lot of things you're faced with are really, really difficult. And I think basically if you can face them kind of with good humor you know, um, and, and, and you can, you know, the book does stop with me, but you also, mm, when you, mm-hmm. when you can work with a great of people and systematically mm-hmm. work through problems and challenges, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. And I found mm-hmm. that always. And then I've also found a very good thing is I, I do think a skill I have is, uh, you don't, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. And once you have that, mm. once you just think, 
uh, look, there's brilliant people here and someone else knows the answer to that. I mean, that is a very good way of being able to walk towards something that's challenging. You think, okay, there's other people here and they know the answer to this. I don't have to know the answers to everything. You'll not say it then, but can I add that maybe humility has helped to get you where you are <laughs> as well? Uh, but that sense of trying to be surrounded in important work by, by people who are smarter than you yeah. is an incredible thing that an awful lot of leaders can't do. Well, I mean, in Trinity, really there's there's people who are smart in so many different ways, whether academic yeah. or professional yeah. staff or students yeah. who are, you know, way smarter. So I think... Like if you're not, this is the ideal space to say, oh my God, look at all this talent. Why yeah. not just yeah. use it? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and absolutely. And that's, that's really kind of a good motivation. Do you know what you remind me of? Um, I was walking walking here with Katie through the, the, the hallway to from from the office to, to the house one to the residence. And if you know Trinity, you'll know what I mean. If you don't, you, sh- you should come and see it sometime. <laughs> Uh, but it always reminds me of my favorite TV show, The West Wing. <laughs> and there is, I always figure myself walking to the residence in the White House. And one of the things that I love about President Josiah Bartlett, are you a West Wing fan, Linda? Um, Have you I, I, I wouldn't say, I, so of course I've seen some episodes of The West, yeah. uh, West Wing. Yeah. I'm not a, as devoted a fan as you are. I know okay. all the ins okay. and outs. Well, well, let me give you this piece yeah. of advice. You know, for all your travels, <laughs> get yourself the box set. It is an, it's an incredible show. And one of the things that Josiah Bartlett, who has a Nobel Prize in economics, mm-hmm. one of the things he always wants is people smarter than him in the room. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that sense of team and of being surrounded by people uh, who are not only smart, but they care. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're passionate about the things that you just yeah. said. They connect with the passion and, and a purpose yeah. uh, to achieve something. Um, I think actually a key thing, I, I so for, you know, this sounds to a certain extent, if you say things like this, it sounds booba, but I think uh, kindness is just so mm-hmm. important how people in how people run, run things. And, um, you know, to a certain 100%. extent, if you describe the academic life for a lot of people is a life of rejection, you know, you're constantly mm-hmm. getting rejected, your paper is being rejected for publication, you didn't get such and such a grant, you know, we have terrible opportunities for promotion here, you didn't get promoted. Um, this didn't work or that didn't work. And I, I do think it can be, um, you know, I think we have a very privileged life in one way because you get to, you're sitting here, you're able to pursue things uh, that they're intellectually challenging and pleasing and interesting. But it's also that kind of where you're constantly being personally kind of evaluated yeah. in that yeah. space. And I, I think the world could do with more kindness generally, but I certainly think kindness matters as well there. Wow, a, a question later on was going to be, uh, Linda, tell us your understanding of the common good. And, mm-hmm. and it sounds like kindness and yeah. living kindly and working kindly would yeah. be central to how you understand common good. Is yeah. that a fair? I think it is. Um, and I went, I was at a, an interesting, actually, Ian Robertson did a talk for us recently. Some people might know Ian Robertson. Who Psychologist? From, yeah, yeah. The, he's from, he's a neuroscientist and he knows yeah. an awful lot about uh, the brain and um, he leads the Global Brain Health Initiative. And he was talking about power and different kinds of power mm. and, uh, you know, um, uh, power where you kind of have the ego in it and power where you have a kind of you think of other people in it and he says most people kind of I probably haven't expressed that well but most people have a mix of both but he he, he was talking about like uh, something to do that is a waste of your energy and a waste of energy and time is about like 
bending he didn't put it quite like this but being paranoid about things or are, are, are kind of expecting the worst in things so I, wow. I i i i think and for me i read that really resonated with me because i can sometimes be naive and expect something and, and interpret something as face value that turns out not to be the case but overall wow. you have more energy when you're actually um interpreting something as being well intended uh, than you do if you start to think, oh, what's behind that wow. for every single thing that happens? And so, as I said, sometimes I fall flat in my face because I've naively interpreted something to mean to have good intent when it doesn't. But more often than not, there's something positive comes out of it. It sounds like that's a much better way to live. Though. Yeah, I think so too. Would, would you rather be someone who uh, can see the dark side and the shadows everywhere mm. and wonder about everybody's motivations especially in the position that you and I hold mm. because you would have so many you'd spend people her, yeah, you'd spend her days uh, worrying looking about for yeah, something yeah. Yeah. Um, but to hold that sense of uh, the energy that gets expanded and thinking negatively yeah, yeah. is much more than energy that gets expanded Treating people with face value, yeah. as you just said. Mm. And now I think I am lucky, you know, I was kind of born happy and I, I genetically, you know, and like l- events in life kind of make me more happy or less happy, but like left to my own devices, I was kind of born that way. Brilliant. And But that's just luck. There is a bit, that's what yeah. I mean by luck as well, yeah. you know, and I had yeah. the look of a very loving family and not everybody has yeah. that. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, in one sense, that's quite scary because it yeah. makes you think like there's so many things left to chance. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but certainly without a doubt, I was, I was, I was kind of born happy. Yeah. This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. What I'm loving about this conversation, Provost, is that we're literally sitting in house one. I'm literally talking to the first female provost in 429 <laughs> years of, of Trinity College Dublin. And I have always found you so approachable and normal. And for want of a, there'll be a much better word, but bubbly is a word. You have it, an enthusiasm uh, that is a, that is infectious. Um, and to hear you talk about it in a way that makes me think, oh my goodness, she's not putting it on. <laughs> it's, it's actually true. And, and for people who have that disposition, as you called it, um, to have the opportunity to lead major institutions, organizations, you know, Trinity is, is, a, is a global institution in many ways. Ireland's market leader in the university sector. Um, can I ask, how do you, how are you learning? Because you're only just, what, a year into yeah, yeah, this role? Yeah. Almost exactly. Yeah, almost yeah, a year. Exactly. Wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm just realizing as I'm talking. Yeah. How in that year have you managed to keep yourself sane? Um, so, I mean, without a doubt, there are a lot of mistakes that I've made. Um, and without a doubt as well, I feel a huge pressure for things I've promised that... Um, some which I know I can deliver and some which are much harder than I thought they would be and much more complex and you know sometimes you you're kind of 
you kind of stay awake at night or you wake up thinking, oh my God, you know, I, I didn't do this or did I make the right decision? But in the main, you know, um, I think it's about keeping things in perspective. Mm. I think, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's about being able to talk things out. You know, I've said that, that I, there's lots of people I can call and talk things out. Um, and I mean, it's also like the role is utterly fantastic. So, you know, you might you, you might have a day full of everything gone wrong and there'll be big things and tiny things, but it'll be followed by a day of amazing things. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it's very hard not to be anything other than, Fantastic. I suppose, sane in it. From yeah, the kind of, yeah. From the, well, the you, you, you need your resources, you yeah, know, you know yeah, and yeah. we've heard you say that you, you believe in team, that you're a, nat- a naturally optimistic person, uh, that you want to surround yourself with competent people who, who can mm. do the work. Uh, you know, all of these things seem to be really important aspects of, of what it means to be a leader in today's world. Are there other things that, you know, you've mentioned kindness, for example, yeah. as well. Are there other things that you want your leadership to portray or you want to be as a leader, apart from yeah, the things I mean, that were mentioned already. maybe two or three things. I think it's really, really important that we kind of join the dots. I think an awful lot of things happen in kind of very siloed decision-making rather than kind of thinking of the bigger picture. And I think we need to do that better. Um, I think yeah, there is a culture wow. that is, is uh, I think in Trinity, there's a lot of things that we need to change about the culture. Um, and I think the leadership team needs to show that themselves as well as kind of mm-hmm. encouraging other to be. Oh, wow. And, and to, a good example of that is I, I think there often can be a divide between professional and academic staff that shouldn't yeah, be there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, um, so I think there's things like that. Um, I also think you have to be outward looking. And sometimes I, I fear myself, you know, when you're kind of firefighting, especially we'll say things with COVID and other things that have happened, that your head is down and looking around and thinking who is doing that in a different and better way is really powerful. And, you know, looking outwards and mm-hmm. looking for good examples elsewhere. That's incredible. Looking for really positive good examples of the work that you want to do while trying to be a positive and good mm-hmm. example of the people that you lead that seems like a really important sphere of mm-hmm. holding a way of holding things together um can i ask you in terms of your work as provost here in trinity what are you seeing that is changing the world in, in better ways i mean I, I suppose maybe standing back and i mean maybe this you probably think this is a cliched answer but i think you only have to look at our students and all of the amazing things that they do i couldn't agree more. yeah you know so yeah. um yeah. like whether you look at them academically um i mean i was with a bunch of we'd say i don't know whether you've heard of our laid law scholar program yeah a, yeah a bunch absolutely. of them a few weeks ago and all they achieve in terms of their own discipline but plus as kind of global citizens is amazing um Anytime I go to even a club or society, you know, I was at the Trinity Entrepreneurial Society there uh, last year and they had their Dragon's Den event and you're sitting there thinking and looking at all of the amazing ideas for startup companies. Ones that actually are about, uh, what I notice now as well, there's a really natural mix of kind of typical commercial ones and social innovation ones. And Mm, then, you know, people just, you know, it's really, really good. And when you look at uh, the various initiatives they have, you know, um, whether it's responding to the Ukraine crisis, whether the war in Ukraine, whether it's, you know, it's just incredible. So I think all of the time, I think that's one of the amazing things about being in university, being surrounded by people who are constantly kind of refreshing and pushing. Mm -hmm. When I look at their kind of approach to um, uh, to things to do with the environment, it's it's incredible. Wow. Yes. And then, of course, um, without a doubt, like the research that is kind of pushing Mm -hmm. back the frontiers, you just are constantly 
you know and I I mean I often talk about this when I was I, I was doing research at the when it was the start of COVID and when we had to close down labs and uh, at, at, you know in the first remember we had to close everything down and then we yeah. were able to open things yeah. up a bit because we were considered an essential activity but literally people would nearly have climbed over me to get back in and it's that kind of absolute single-minded drive where they want to get on with the research and they want to just push the boundaries of whatever it is whether it's you know uh, whether it was the immunology research whether it was the social science and behaviors whether it was cancer research whether it's you know environmental uh which we so many people are so passionate about whether it's kind of arts and culture people they're so hungry to get back and push and push and kind of build new understandings or discover new things. I think that is just always inspiring. And as you just said there as well, in terms of student innovation uh, and wanting to to find new things and do new things, that so many more students now, maybe than even 10 years ago, never mind 20 years mm-hmm. ago, that social innovation, that social yeah. transformation. You know, It's almost like the students now look at the world and think, yeah no thanks yeah yeah uh, that's you know, a good way of putting it um, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, you've mentioned the environment yeah. you know for example and it's one areas where probably young adults as they are now really need to be given the space yeah. to lead the way so I, yeah. I love hearing you say that that's what you're seeing in a lot yeah. of the research and a lot of the work that's coming out of here yeah um the more the more people um who who get inspired about the possible yeah. Uh, than than what we see just in front of us, the the, the better, and that's that's what. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no no no. I, I I agree with you. And I mean, in one sense, you know, if if there was one thing, uh, I it would be fantastic. You know, when you look at the possible, and I think some people rule politics out as the possible. And they think, you know, like even your reaction there, your immediate kind of change. <laughs> if only just, you could see me now, yeah, listeners. Yeah. You know, and uh, in one sense, I think the world needs that poured into, you know, needs different kinds of yeah. people going in and that poured into that space. I mean, that to me is a huge gap and, and that energy and, so uh, you know, a drive that we see in yeah. other things yeah. that isn't played out yeah. in that space, yeah. I think. And to go back to something you said earlier, just living with your eyes open. Yeah. You know, looking for the possibilities, yeah. grabbing what's set in yeah. front of you, connecting with the people around you who feel the same way. Mm. All of those things are so vital mm. uh, in, 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 in walking forward positively. Uh, this is great. I've got one more, yeah. one more kind of uh, question for you, Linda. Uh, what at the minute is exciting you? What is giving you hope as you, as you look yeah. for the second year and, and beyond in this place? What are, where are you seeing the bits of hope? I mean, I I think hope for me always goes back to people, right? Because, you know, in one sense, right, uh, if you look at the world at the moment, we have never been in a worse place, actually. And I think overall, um, you know, I think there is no post-COVID yet. I see the impact of COVID on many people and our students um you know there's just a long-term impact you obviously the war in ukraine huge inflation all sorts of things around the world the state of the planet so to a certain extent i think uh, you know in one sense we're in times that are uh you know i think people are finding it harder to be hopeful especially i think and it's it's easy for me here to sit here glibly in any mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. way and be hopeful because i think there's a lot of people struggling to make ends meet and i think the world mm-hmm. is just much much tougher on people at the moment so I think that 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 is challenging. Uh, you know, I luckily or we luckily here have many things to look at that makes you think there are people here who are just so much fighting to make the world a better place. 
Um, so for example, one of my favorite examples of that or two of my favorite examples, like the Trinity Access Program. I mean, that to me That's gives amazing. me hope forever. Amazing. And, you know, there's a deep rooted belief that inclusivity and diversity makes the world a better place yeah. and a deep rooted delivery of that. And, yeah. you know, when you look at the kind of uh, talent uh, that program brings in from all sorts of um, walks of life and backgrounds and socioeconomic status, I think it's just brilliant. And mm-hmm. they've been so successful, not just in uh, improving the situation for Trinity, but influencing policy in Ireland uh, for everyone um, and kind of building uh, opportunities for 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 for. Um, uh, students more widely that that certainly mm-hmm. is a thing that gives you huge mm-hmm. hope mm-hmm. Uh, we are massive fans of the Trinity Access Programme in the Good Summit yeah. we, we've worked together in different ways over the last few years and we're, yeah. we're in conversations about ways to, to really walk forward together in ways that we can because like you yeah. we're a believer in partnerships yeah. uh, and, and in what's in front of you and taking it uh, you, know, you know grabbing it and, and trying to, to work it for good and they're, they are superb. And so the inclusion and diversity that you've talked about uh, that they champion is is just absolutely um, incredible. But for now, Provost Linda Doyle, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It has been a delight to sit and chat with you. And I will look forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. You made that very easy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That was keeping it good with Provost of Trinity College Dublin, Linda Doyle. It was an incredible chat. It was energetic. I was so enthused by it. I really hope that you felt the energy and felt the hope that comes from the world of academia and what we were talking about. Sisters, brothers, we're nearing the end of this series of podcasts. The summer is upon us, but we will be back. We might have one or two more that we're trying to line up, but it's a huge thanks to our editing team. Thanks to Andy. And thanks to Steph in the office. And thanks to you for listening because without you, we can do nothing. So thank you for being part of this journey. Tweet about us. Get the word out that the second series of Keeping It Good is there. And share about. Share it about so that we can get more listeners and more people discovering what is happening in the good summit and i'll tell you what whenever you stay in touch and you hear what we're going to be doing in the autumn for the good summit you are going to love it thanks so much for joining us my name is jules hamilton and i'm asking you to go on get out into the world and keep it good